Amen. Well, like I said, over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at sort of the topic of worship, um, and we're going to start today talking about the experience of worship. Next week, we'll look at who we worship, then the following weeks, why we worship, how we worship, and then we'll end with our values in worship and how those things sort of connect. But for this morning, we're going to start by looking at the experience of worship. Here in a moment, we're going to go to Ephesians 5. So if you want to follow along in a paper Bible or a Bible device, you can go ahead and stick your thumb there. I'll have the main text for you on the screen. But I just want to start by setting a baseline for sort of why we're talking about this uh, and and sort of set a goal for what we hope the Lord uh, will do, what I think he wants to do. Uh, it, I sort of feel it was his idea to do this series. Um, and if you've been around the vineyard for a while, you know that worship is important to us. Uh, one of the most common things that is said of folks who have participated uh, in our meetings and been part of our fellowship is that there's just something about the worship. And that's not, a, that's not a compliment to us as individuals or even a commentary on our, on our skills, but we have a particular philosophy that we believe is, is biblically grounded and God-oriented around the idea of worship. And it really is the most important thing that we could do. I could even say this for us as, as individuals. We are created by a loving Father and placed on this earth. And if we do nothing else, and we probably do need to do some other things, but if we do nothing else, our highest priority is to worship. And I hope through this series we're going to paint an even clearer picture of what that really is, what it can look like, what it can mean to us all grounded in a biblical context and with the experience that accompanies that. So go ahead and flip with me, if you would, to Ephesians 5. This is just the, so the second half of verse 18 and verse 19 in the New Living Translation says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. This is one of many places we could have picked where they're sort of this command to do this activity, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourself. So you do have to notice there, it's not just an individual sport. It, it is part of what the community does. Make music in your, to the Lord in your hearts. I want to go back and look at this same passage in the message translation. We're going to start in verse 18. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. I love that phrase, any excuse for a song. The first sort of picture that I want to paint for you is that when we start talking about this idea of worship, 
uh, it would be overly simplistic and, and actually missing the point to describe worship as what happens when the church gathers and sings on Sunday morning. That is an expression of worship. I actually do believe worship happens. It's, a, it's even corporately one of the most important things probably that happens on a Sunday morning. But we can't define it as just what happens when we come together. It's any excuse for a song, or we could say any excuse for ascribing worth to the one who's worthy. Any excuse for ascribing worth to the one who's worthy. Now, songs are a great way to do this. They are a great uh, sort of channel or medium for expressing something uh, that's deep in our hearts. But the part of the picture that I hope to paint is that when we start talking about worship, it's first off not a one-way conversation. Right? So I can come and, and I can declare the praises of the Lord. I can declare his goodness. I can, just as we sang, it's good to do that, right? It's good to sing the praises of the Lord. So don't, don't hear me saying that's not good, but declaring things about God or singing about the, the, his character, his majesty, that's not quite worship yet. You see, worship, as we're going to describe it through this series, actually begins with encounter. I, I come before the Lord, whether it's in a corporate setting like this or, or in a, a personal worship time, just me and him. I come to the Lord and I have a process of laying down my life before him. I have a process of of surrendering. And part of that includes singing or verbalizing or praying praises. The Bible would tell us, how do we get there? You enter his courts with thanksgiving. Like, so that's a great place to start. And that's what I would call praise. We, we praise the Lord. We thank the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the things you've done this week. We thank you for the ways that you have intersected our lives this week, the places where you've made a difference, the, the things where you've seen your handiwork. We thank you for that. And in that process of making space and time and laying my life down before the Lord, if we give him time, if we give him space, he begins to encounter us. It's a two-way process. And worship begins with that encounter. Because worship is not just lip service. Worship is a heart reality. It's not just lip service. It's a heart reality. And so as I come before the Lord and I lay my life down and he begins to encounter me, all of a sudden I begin to have an experience, whether it's tangible or not, I begin to have an experience of encountering the love of God in a way that the, that the longings and desires at the deepest places of my heart can actually begin to bubble up to the surface. And one of the ways we've described this in the past it's like, if you just want to use a phrase like, I love you, Lord, we can pray, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. 
But sometimes in the repetition and sometimes in the process of pouring out and praying, all of a sudden it's like it catches you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, I really do love you, Lord. It's like you you reach a place where it becomes even more real. It's not just words, but, but you actually feel it. It becomes an expression that flows out of you. And, and truth be told, under this sort of definition of worship, words are not even always necessary. I can actually go into a place of worship in encountering God and pouring out my life where I begin to experience his presence in such a way that I can just allow my heart to be turned towards him and just be there and just enjoy his presence. That's where worship begins. Worship begins with encounter because God is not only able, he's ready and he's eagerly awaiting to encounter his people. He wants that process to happen. He wants to meet with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to encounter you. This next scripture, if you want to flip over, is probably very familiar, and I don't pull the King James out very often, but I had to for this one because of the song that I memorized when I was a little boy. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. This is an instruction that you might not think of related to a worship message. But again, I want to go over and look at the richer language that's found for this same scripture in the message translation. Steep your life. I know we have some tea drinkers here. If you're not a tea drinker, ask one of them about the process of steeping your tea. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. You see, I think the second thing that that the Lord is trying to say to us through these passages and through this series is that when we get our priorities straight, when we make both individually and corporately, when we make worship our highest priority, all the other things that we're concerned about, we will find them met. You see, worship continues the process. If it starts with encounter, it also continues the process of seeking God. And just as we, as we read in that verse, if we're supposed to seek first the kingdom and then let him add all the other things, worship is a huge part of continuing that process. I've struggled a little bit with with language for this. But I think I'll just tell you a quick story. And and it's kind of hard to describe, but I hope that it will translate. Uh, Most of you know I grew up 
uh, in a church which I love. Uh, I actually just preached there back in October. Um, but a church that would be considered a little more traditional um, and a little bit more on the cessationist uh, end of the spectrum as it relates to the Holy Spirit. I say a little bit more, maybe not fully, but leaning that direction. And so I found myself in the unusual situation of being not not only a, a member, but like my whole family's there, and I was also eventually on staff, and you know, so heavily involved is the picture I'm trying to paint at a country Baptist church in rural southern Illinois, and nearly without fail, every single one of my friends were, and I, I say this with, with kindness and sincerity, but they would have self-described themselves as fanatical charismatics. And uh, if you can imagine the tension that that creates, living that life, and 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 like I said, I very much appreciate my roots, and I and I learn as as Wimber would have told us back in the day, take the best and go. So there's so much that I gleaned and learned uh, a value for the scripture, a high priority uh, towards evangelism and outreach. There's so many things I gained. But it wasn't exactly freedom in worship. Now, I was actually the worship pastor there for a number of years, and, and we saw the Lord make some movements. But the story that I wanted to tell you is as, as a young man growing up, I, I had, and I'm not going to tell them all, but I had multiple encounters that at the time I had absolutely no grid for. I remember one time one of the, the values that I gained from my, my roots there uh, when I was in probably 7th or 8th grade, we hired our first full-time youth pastor. That was exciting. The church had grown to a point that we could do that. And we actually had had a thriving youth program run by volunteers for decades. But we finally reached a point and, and had the resources and felt called of the Lord. We hired our first-time youth pastor, Brother Bryant. And one of the things that Brother Bryant brought to us was he began doing missions trips. And so from 1999 until I went on a few, even after I graduated high school, so maybe until 2005, somewhere in there, went on one or two missions trips every year. Now, these were somewhat service project oriented, but I remember the first one we ever went on was uh, we had an organization that we partnered with that strictly organized youth missions trips. And the first trip we went on was to Nashville, Tennessee. And you might not think of Nashville as a particularly rough, you know, inner city uh, place to do missions work, but I will tell you that part that we were in was. It's not like, you know, it's not, may not the first thing you think of when you think of Nashville, but we were staying in a warehouse that literally they had taken, uh, this might be a little too vulgar, but they had uh, put on a pole a deceased rat remains to warn the rest of the critters that, like, this is the line. You don't come into this part of the warehouse. Uh, there was a police substation on the corner because there was a whole row of illicit activity homes across the street. You know, so I just, just, I'm just painting the picture. This is not luxury accommodations. This is, and, and we spent every day. It's like you're up at 6 o'clock, Breakfast, they, they taught us how to, how to subsist on $2 a day as far as our food and stuff. 
And then we would go work all day. And then at night, we would come back and we would have worship services. And the first night, uh, they had sort of a guest uh, band that had come in to lead the worship. And, you know, this there's multiple churches. It's not just there's maybe 12 or 15 from our youth group and then a bunch of other churches, you know, maybe 70 kids and all their sponsors and adults. And uh, this band begins playing, and it wasn't a performance. They were worshiping God. But as you can imagine, I, I don't mean this critically. A bunch of Baptist youth kids are not exactly exuberant in their worship. And for whatever reason, I because of my connections, my experience, maybe just I've always been a little odd, I just felt entirely compelled and I just began to stand. I was sitting on about the second row. I just began to, to, to lift my head because the songs they were singing were sung to God. And it just, as I began to sing those words, it began to connect with my heart. I actually began to be encountered by God more than just, I, see, we weren't singing about him. We were singing to him. And as I sang to him, and, and I'll be honest, When I first began to stand up, I knew what I'm doing is kind of odd. Like these people are probably not. And I, trust me, if you know me, I'm not the person that wants the attention. I don't want, like, but that's going to stick out like a sore thumb. And that's, but I just felt compelled. I felt drawn to the worship. And I began to lift my hands and I began to sing with with more passion. And and, and this is, I want to be careful here. There's no other context in this room that's creating an emotional atmosphere, right? I I want you to understand this. This is a God thing. And I began to sing, and the tears began to just stream down my face. And I, again, like, I'm not like super macho, you know, like it's okay for a man to, but, you know, again, you've got to think, this is like a seventh grader amongst their peers. And here I am with tears streaming down my face. And to the point, the encounter gets so intense that it's like I, I, I feel this just like bubbling in my gut. And not like a, a sickness, but just like the intensity of the encounter is just so deep. And the result of all of it is that I just want to spend more time with him. I just want to keep pouring out my my praise and my adoration to this God that has now become present with me in a way that it's enveloping my whole being. And in a way that I'll be honest, that wasn't the only encounter. I've, I've had many encounters since. But every time I've encountered God in a deep way like that in worship, it has changed me. I have become different And that's one of the reasons that we value worship. It changes us because it it allows us to enter into the very presence of God. The very intimate and real and tangible presence of God. And that process of going to that place is what fuels me personally to keep seeking God. I have one more quick story I want to tell you, and then I'm going to begin to to move towards wrapping this up with one final thing. Uh, Somewhere along 
well, it had to have been 2020 because it was once COVID had started. Uh, maybe it wasn't because the kids and Brittany weren't home. But anyway, this is when I lived. I li- so I lived, if you don't know, I lived in North Carolina from 2014 to 2021. And so I was home alone one day. And for whatever reason, uh, I have a habit of, of, I love like revival history and different things. And so I'm watching some interesting videos of, of things like that on YouTube. And I end up watching this one particular video. If you're familiar at all with uh, modern revival history, you would have heard of the Brownsville Revival, Pensacola, Florida. Uh, and the content of that particular video is not really relevant But in the process of doing that and sort of worshiping along, I encountered the Lord. And for whatever reason in this particular moment, I felt prompted to ask the Lord a question. Now, it can be dangerous to ask the Lord a question because he will always give you an answer. You might not always like the answer. And fortunately, this wasn't a case of me not liking the answer, but I had no idea at the time how impactful it was. And my question was, because I'd already been in ministry for a number of years, but I said, Lord, for me personally, me, Matthew, your son, not, not the pastor, not the church volunteer, you know, just me, what is my special and unique purpose and calling in your kingdom? And he, he didn't even have to think about it. And it, and it sounds so simple, but it, 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 caught me in such a way that I just sort of melted into a pile and was there with him for hours. And all he said to me was, I want you to spend the rest of your life, every day of your life, immersing yourself as fully as you can in my very presence and then bringing as many other people as you can into that reality. Now, folks, I have to tell you, when the Lord gives you something like that and it hooks you so deeply, I was willing to say yes. Yes, Lord, I will do that because in the process of worship, I understood that it was possible. And I understood that it's like it's like pieces to a puzzle, right? If you're doing a puzzle and there's one piece missing, there's no other piece that fits that spot. And it's like in that moment the Lord was saying to me, I have this puzzle and you are the only piece that fits in that spot. And and I could say the same to each of you. Each of you have a unique calling and purpose in the kingdom of God that nobody else can substitute in. You'd have to trim edges and it's like nobody else fits where you fit. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure, you don't have a a statement or a clear vision like that of, well, what is my unique purpose? The process of worship is one piece of helping you discover what that is. The Lord encountering you in worship. Because here's the, the reality. When real worship is happening, or what I might even call deep worship, It requires much less from us in that moment, but he is very involved. I I can't tell you how many significant things in my life have been discovered in that context. If I were to go through and read you entries from my journal, 
I, I remember one time when we were uh, at a worship conference at the Urbana Church, and Brittany had not had an experience quite like this to date at the time, and she literally uh, just felt compelled to sit down and begin writing. And it's like she doesn't even have time to to think about the words that are that are coming. She's just, it's almost as if the Lord's just like writing through her. And I didn't pull that up, but if you could go back and read, it's like it was the Lord, and there were instruction and and just valuable words within that that probably would have been much harder to discover, except in the context of worship, he becomes present. He becomes active. He encounters us. All right. Here's how I want to end, because we're going to spend the next, like I said, five weeks uh, going deeper into different aspects of this. But one of the things that I was I was thinking about is that for some of us, and this, uh, hopefully this analogy will make perfect sense because COVID is not totally removed from our lives. We probably haven't forgotten about social distancing and things like that. But I think for many of us, we've had an experience of polite worship, right? God is at a certain distance and, and I'm willing to, you know, say some nice things, but, it, but it's very polite. It's my Christian duty. And I'm willing to come into a corporate gathering like this and stand next to each other and, and sort of sing along with what's going on. But I want to end the message time. Um, and I'm going to, I've posted, uh, let me say this now so I don't forget. If you uh, go to our website or our church center app, under messages and media, there is a whole tab called worship. I've posted the the full 10-minute clip of this there under worship. I'm going to play you just a 60-second clip of something that's very different from polite worship. Are you guys ready? Do you have the sound turned up? Because it kind of jumps right in. This is what I would call impolite or passionate worship. Notice there how the crowd swelled. There was so it's, so it's not polite when people all throughout the room are singing their own songs, right? That's not polite. That's not neat. 
and in order. And, and you know, the video doesn't really convey the full experience. But you saw the one guy clapping. Everybody's crowded. People, you know, it's like there's something happening in that moment that transcends human ability, that transcends human effort. It's God encountering his people. And, and my simple question to us this morning, now we don't need to manufacture anything. We don't need to emulate anything. But my question is, are we coming to worship politely or are we willing to be passionate? Are we willing to sing a new song before the Lord? I think the Lord's giving some of you a new song.